Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. We are so glad to talk to you guys today. Um, the weather is getting a little cooler, or at least it's trying to. And so that should start you as the director starting to thinking about curriculum and all the fun holidays. And I know that the last time I worked in a center, um, every single staff person I worked with wanted like reams and reams of orange paper and because we automatically think pumpkins and leaves and all those fun things. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what is the art you're teaching teaching and this is one of my favorite topics to listen to Carrie talk. So <laughs> I'm guessing there's going to be a little less banter and a little more talky 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 but I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> So, Carrie, talk to me about the fascination with pumpkins that look like pumpkins and leaves and turkeys and hands with leaves and all those things. Well, so in the fall, people want to do leaf projects. They want to do pumpkin projects. They want to do turkey projects. And sometimes turkeys made with leaves or made with pumpkins. <laughs> so... <laughs> And I think those have their place, but you have to know why you're doing them. If the whole reason you're doing them is to have something as a marketing piece for your clients, as in you're creating something for the parents to display that has your information on it, ooh, then ooh, ooh, I that's like this fine. One. <laughs> okay, so when she talks about that, let me just make sure everybody listening knows what we mean. So every time artwork leaves your program that you expect to go on the refrigerator or in the cubicle, which right now I realize doesn't really apply to most work settings. However, it will label. happen again. It will happen. <laughs> put a label on there that has the name of your program and your website. Or let this be a marketing tool. Yeah. One of the easiest ways to do this, and it actually makes your teachers happy because it kind of zhuzhes up the art is to get those paper frames and you can get them, you know, by the hundreds from discount school supply. And then you put the sticker on the frame that says, you know, Amelia, age four, and then your program name and a contact way, either the email or the phone number. Don't put both. That's too much for that sticker, but it should say, you know, the name of your center and one way to contact you. And the teachers get really excited if it also has the child's name and age. It just makes them be like, oh, this isn't just a marketing thing. This is helping the parents to remember where their child was. <laughs> and there's also great ways to make those that um, the art can come in and out. Um, you can buy them. You know, they do have those very fancy things that you can buy, but you can also make them yourself uh, with um, my favorite tool, which is just a plastic uh, notebook sleeve, paper sleeve. So, uh, which again, you can buy those in boxes of hundreds at a time. So, okay. So we've talked a little bit about framing the art and using it as a marketing tool, but what about the process? I know that's your big thing is the process. Right. I think there's a place for that product based art. But I challenge my teachers to not do more than one piece a month that is a product-based piece. 
a pumpkin that looks like a pumpkin or a ghost that looks like what they think a ghost looks like. Who knows what a ghost looks like? Is that even a thing? We don't know. And, you know, Disney thinks that ghosts look very differently. I've been on that ride. I know what Casper looks like. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, the teachers get all hung up because the kids make a ghost that doesn't look like a ghost. And I'm like, how many ghosts have you actually seen in real life? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't think any three-year-old's going to be able to make something like, you know, I've seen in movies that purport to have, you know, videoed actual ghosts it's not going to happen um they also get really ghostbusters yeah yeah slimer are they going to make a slimer Ooh, there's a whole new um you know making slime i mean you know i'm sorry we all make slime right at some point in time we make slime with our preschoolers but have we ever thought about making it during halloween okay i have a whole new ectoplasm and you don't call it slime you call it ectoplasm i love it Um, okay and so i'm I'm sorry so that is much more process oriented right so why are we making why are we playing with this because this is the slime that monsters leave behind it's ectoplasm and so that would be a process based (laughs) piece of art and texture play right Absolutely. So I have a question. Now, when we talk about fall, um, now, so I grew up in the Midwest and I always found it funny how um, fixated people are, even in Texas. Like you guys don't have leaves that change colors, but yet this is a thing that we do for fall. We have two trees that change color. We but have not necessarily the maple. in the fall. <laughs> there is a maple and there is one oak tree that grows in Texas that both change colors. <laughs> okay, well, you know what I mean. So, but we don't talk about apples, which are a huge, huge fall thing. And we don't hardly ever talk about corn mazes. And you guys actually do do corn mazes in Texas. Yeah, I, I don't understand some of that. And again, it's that whole, this is what you see when you go to Hobby Lobby, is there are pumpkins. Um, but pumpkins that you see, you know, modeled at Home Depot or at Hobby Lobby, that's not the only way pumpkins come. If you've ever grown a pumpkin, they can be very lopsided and wobbly and they're not these perfect spheres or perfect ovals. They're not, they're lumpy, they're different shapes. And so what are you trying to teach when you're having them create pumpkins? Like, what is the point of it? I have had many teachers do an entire week's unit on pumpkins. And I'm like, that's fine. But here's my question. What are your goals behind this unit? If I'm going to be spending $20, $25, I've had some programs where they wanted every child to have their own mini pumpkin, which can get pricey. What is the purpose of that? Why are we doing it? What is the children learning from having the pumpkins? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that, because I think this is a great opportunity, even as a director, for you to do a lesson, um, even an education lesson um, for your staff. So I think it's great to talk about you know, what do pumpkins look like? How are, how and where are pumpkins grown in Texas? What all different um, I, colors do they come in? Because they come in green, they come speckled, they come white, they're dark orange, they're light orange. So you can teach a lot of stuff with pumpkins. 
what do they taste like? Because yeah. what a lot of us think of is pumpkin. So there's another podcast that um, we are really fond of, which is One to Grow On. And they actually do a whole episode on pumpkins. And to find out that, you know, like the pumpkin in a can is not really pumpkin. So again, when the teachers are all excited about their pumpkin latte or their pumpkin bread or, you know, whatever they might How much of that is pumpkin, actually butternut squash? Right. <laughs> so, so I think it would be um, a great opportunity for you as a director to like challenge your staff to, um, you know, like pumpkin seeds. Again, these are things that um, some of us grew up with making and eating. Other people, you can actually buy them now, which always seemed like a yeah. It's thing really to me. weird to me. But <laughs> if if you're doing a whole week of units, week of study. On pumpkins, then I think you have to think through or you have to help your teachers think through what are the things that you want the kids to learn. So if you have pumpkin bowling, what is the purpose of having pumpkin bowling? Is it just to play or is it to experience that if something is not perfectly round, it doesn't roll as well as a ball? That's an interesting concept and that is something that they can learn, but it's not going to spontaneously happen in every child's brain, the teacher will have to lead some discussion. If you're sorting pumpkins by different color, then again, the teacher is going to have to have at least some discussion for the kids who didn't automatically go, wait, that looks pumpkin shaped, but it's the wrong color. It can't be a pumpkin. Exactly. And so I think it's a great opportunity to also talk about, um, again, when you were talking about texture, and I still love the ectoplasm, I'm so going to be using that, um, it is cutting open the pumpkin, right? And feeling the insides of a pumpkin. And I love the fact that more and more people are going to just painting pumpkins. So again, that's an opportunity, um, especially depending on what you use to paint. Like they could paint one every single day and you could wash them every night. <laughs> yep. and they could come back and paint their pumpkin again. Um, but because so many programs struggle sometimes with remembering to do food allergy um, education for their staff, this is a great opportunity to really get um, to discuss the Teal Pumpkin Project um, and to incorporate even some food allergy awareness into the kids program as well as into your teachers. Okay, so explain to people who don't know what the Teal Program, Teal Pumpkin Program is, what's the deal with people painting their pumpkins teal before stabbing them? Okay, so whether you stab them or not, or whether you buy a real one or even just buy a teal pumpkin, the idea of a teal pumpkin on a porch uh, is kind of a way for kids with common food allergies. That means that they may be candy that they probably shouldn't or can't eat. So peanut butter allergies, corn allergies, gluten allergies, um, certain dyes, allergies to certain dyes. Um, if you have a teal pumpkin on your front porch, that means that you have an alternative for them. And so usually it's a sticker or a pencil. Um, some folks keep change. And some people have like four different buckets of candy. <laughs> so they have the, this is for people who are allergic to chocolate. <laughs> this is for people who are allergic to nuts, you know. So some people go that route and you can do that too if you just like to give out candy and you don't want to do stickers or toothbrushes or money or any of that. But it's a great opportunity for your program to partner with the community. So um, almost every dentist in the world is very happy to give away toothbrushes. Um, and so there's probably some other uh, community partners that you could reach out to uh, to make your center, A, open 
on um, Halloween or uh, maybe not this year, but however you're going to do something that resembles a trick-or-treat opportunity. Um, it doesn't always have to be candy. And so as a child care center, again, you should be modeling for the community what might be a best practice. And talking to the kids ahead of time about the fact that they will get, they might get things other than candy. And this isn't because the people in that house are you know, don't like children, it's because maybe they have allergies. Or, or maybe they're like, you know, or they're diabetic. <laughs> I was going to say, or they could just be like my dad who eats it all before Halloween anyway. And so uh, <laughs> the goal or, you know, he only ever bought candy he was going to like. I do the opposite. People... I buy the candy I don't like so that I won't <laughs> eat it. Exactly. So, um, so definitely know that, you know, there are going to be the people who are going to give out the full size candy bar. There's going to be the people that give you the pencil. Um, you know, when Carrie and I were growing up, we had people who gave out, you know, food. Like, so, you know, and if you went to restaurants, candy they apples. gave out food. Woohoo! I loved candy uh, apples. My parents one year did cotton candy. Uh, we were definitely um, a very popular uh, location that year. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but we lived right on the main strip. So um, the Dairy Queen gave out, you know, ice cream and the two pizza places gave out pizza. So, you know, we were in between. So, you know, at our house, you got um, cotton candy. So, and so going back to, you know, how does this relate to you as a director? If you're in a neighborhood so you can be a trick-or-treat spot, then yes, you want to do that. But from a supporting your teacher's point of view, what we're saying is they shouldn't be making 27 versions of product-based art. They should be doing things and thinking through what is it teaching. So if you have five-year-olds and you're having uh, a, uh, what's it called? Uh, where you make an arrangement and then people draw it. Our grandmother used to do them. What are those called? Still life. There you go. So okay. if you made a still life <laughs> arrangement and your five-year-olds are drawing it or your school-agers are drawing it, that can be a process-based piece of art that also can be a nice product, right? Because they're yep. learning to accurately or maybe impressionistically represent the thing they're seeing in front of them. But if you're making, you know, pumpkins one day with handprints for the leaves and it says, I leaf you. Um, and then another day, you know, you know, I'm your, you know, they do a pumpkin and say, I'm your pumpkin spice. Okay. And I've seen like 27 different versions of this where the kid theoretically painted a pumpkin and then the teacher slapped on a sticker or wrote with their very good handwriting that I don't have um, some saying. And then they made one every day of the week or every week of October. And I'm like, Ugh, that reminds me of your daughter and the teddy bear with three eyes. Can you tell yep. that story? of? <laughs> I don't remember much of the story. It feels like it's been forever ago. But yeah, so um, my daughter was all about she wanted things to be her way. And, and so um, she had a teacher who got very, very upset because she decided to put a third eyeball on her teddy bear. Um, and so it should be whatever the kids are passionate and or want to do. And so what I remember about it was that she, you went to go take it off of the, the wall at the end of the week like you were supposed to. And she said, that's not my bear. My bear had three eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. The one that the teacher took the extra eyeball off. Um, 
So one thing to keep in mind, so when we start talking about everything in the fall, we think immediately leaves and pumpkins. Sometimes you get somebody who remembers things like ghosts. Um, we definitely kind of remember Halloween and we remember Thanksgiving. And, you know, I mean, I think every kid at some point in time in their life needs to, to, to color their hand and make it a turkey. <laughs> but... Do they? <laughs> but but know that that doesn't mean that they need to do it when they're two, three, four, and in kindergarten and in first grade. So I'm not saying they need to do it five times. I'm saying if you want to do it in your program, only let one age group <laughs> do it in your program. Yes. Because... And, and there's something about that that you can actually build anticipation for the younger pa- the parents of younger children. Oh, I can't wait until my child is old enough to, to create one of those because you display them in the hallway and then they're like, oh, that's what you do when you're in the four-year-old class. My child is a baby and I get a, a footprint, a white footprint on black paper <laughs> that they put eyeballs on so that it looks like a ghost. <laughs> yeah, as I say, upside down footprint. Yeah, yeah so as I say, you got to put the eyeballs in the right place. Oh, and so those are some of my favorites. So, I mean, when you start talking about baby hands and baby feet, I mean, I have framed, uh, you know, Marie's little feet and hands uh, when she was, oh, one or two. I'm not sure she was two. I think she was probably under one. Um, and I have it framed. It made the most beautiful flower. So, I mean, there's something as a parent that we love those right. types of projects. So, I mean, I applaud every teacher who can pull that off. But don't do <laughs> it 12 times in the year because yeah. then it loses its impact. Absolutely. I only got one for Mother's Day, but um, I have seen some cute ones. And I know that Pinterest can be your friend. So um, I'm not knocking Pinterest or other ways, but talk to me about some other things to do in the fall. And um, again, uh, with your teachers, make sure that you have had communication with them. Um, There are some teachers and states that that Columbus Day is now Indigenous Peoples Day and so you need to be aware of the um, the cultural relevance to the your teachers again the, the the first through five the one through five year olds probably don't have a clue but you should be respectful especially uh, with whatever your community and state currently recognize. Um, and you need to at least understand. Uh, so some of us who've been around for a really, really long time, and Carrie and I had this conversation earlier that we're getting old. And um, so that means that we've been around. <laughs> she claims being old. I'm middle-aged. Okay. Well, we've been around programs. <laughs> uh, and Carrie's been working with programs now for over 30 years. Oh, so hush. We- <laughs> So, so we so we know that we've seen things change, and um, so we need to make sure that we, as directors, are able to teach our teachers uh, the um, more accurate history, you know, as, and, as we've... And more culturally relevant. I mean... Absolutely. I'm sorry, if you're running a program in New Mexico and you're celebrating Columbus Day, you are not in touch with what is going on. <laughs> Well, and you do need, I mean, culturally responsive teaching is important anyway, because should your kids be doing more of the sugar skulls? Um, if you are an incredibly Hispanic community, uh, and I'm not going to try to say it in Dios Spanish. Dios de los muertos. Yeah, that day. <laughs> um, if this is something that your community is very much, um, or your staff uh, perhaps this is an opportunity for the staff to teach diff- the same staff person to teach in every age group over the course of the month. 
uh, to share uh, their interests, their passions at an age appropriate. So this might require some research on the teacher's part or your part as the director to find out how do you do this age appropriately. Well, and then you've got Thanksgiving and you've probably got teachers who want to make pilgrim hats and pinafores. Um, Is that really culturally respectful is that appropriate cornucopias yeah cornucopias and they want to have a friendsgiving and and they want to have kids dress up with headbands like the stereotypical 1940s version of an indian no please don't do those things you can have a friendsgiving friendsgiving is great and you talk about what are your favorite foods to eat And then the class votes on what are the things you're going to eat and you introduce one or two of the things that they're going to have on Thanksgiving that they may not have had ever or for a year. So you enter, you give them a little bit of pumpkin, you give them, you know, a little bit of cranberry, something like that. So that the first time they have it isn't at Thanksgiving and then they spit out their grandmother's, you know, (laughs) world renowned (laughs) cranberry sauce. Uh, They can just say, no, thank you, because they know I don't like that bitter fruit. Well, but, but even, but that's a great point. So, I mean, I just, I'm thinking about all the things that come in different ways. So even in our family, like, you know, there is grandma's um, homemade cranberry sauce. And then there's my husband's preferred cranberry jelly thing spray. (laughs) Okay. So um, (laughs) my 51 year old husband's going to eat the jelly thing. Anybody else will eat the other stuff. No, my kids, my, my kids, when they were growing up, definitely preferred the, the jelly, you know, the thing where you can still see the rings from the can. Yes. Well, that is so you know where to slice it. That's actually on purpose. Uh, um, um, so, well, it is. I mean, it doesn't mean so. it doesn't make me cringe because I like the flavor of cranberries. I make cranberry sauce to put on top of pork and I make cranberry muffins and, you know, and so kids at my programs had had cranberries before, but not everybody has. And so... Okay, so I'm back to that whole, you know, what are you teaching? If you're going to be preparing children for Thanksgiving, please prepare them for the tastes of Thanksgiving. Oh, I love that. That is a great. um, I mean, that could be almost all of your November and and getting the kids to think through how are they going to respond with relatives they haven't seen before? How are they going to respond? What are they going to talk about with their the grandparents they haven't seen? Because a lot of times what kids remember is whatever they did the last week. Yep. And so the other thing, it's a great time to do a unit on family and have the parents bring in photographs of their family members, even if they're only going to be doing uh, Thanksgiving with the people in their household. They will probably be zooming or skyping or FaceTiming or something with these other relatives, and they may not remember who they are. So if you did a unit you know, two weeks before Thanksgiving where they built a family tree or they made a photo book of their family members, then they know, oh, that one is Grandpa Gerald. <laughs> so so that is something, so two things. One, um, just because you brought up cranberries, and I don't know if you've ever looked for cranberries in the off season. So again, really encourage your teachers to think about seasonal, like what's happening, what season. So even though we talk a lot about corn mazes, you know, they're not going to eat a whole lot of corn in the fall. Um, They can find pumpkins, yes, but, and they're not going to find cranberries most places until November. 
So um, don't don't buy those cranberries when they're ten dollars a bag. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like that's going to totally throw off your budget. But the other thing we need to, especially this year, okay. So this is you know if you listen to this any year other than twenty twenty, um, just ignore this statement. But because our holidays for a lot of families are going to look very different. They're not going to fly. They may not drive. They may not have the 29 people. That's a small Thanksgiving. <laughs> they may only do one instead of four. You know, all of those things that may change for their season this year. Um, again, having the teachers um, maybe do a survey of parents so that you know in advance. Um, this is also a great thing to do as a director. You may want to know how many families are traveling during this holiday season. There is a reason why the colleges are not coming back after Thanksgiving to face-to-face school. Some of them. Um, some of them. But it's something to at least keep in mind for yourself is, okay, so how many of these kids are used to going to go see their cousins and now, like, it really hits them. Like, they're not going to go see their cousin who they always see at Thanksgiving this year. Um, so these kids are, you know, they are resilient. They know that things are happening. But anything you can do to help them, whether it's understanding what Halloween may or may not look like, uh, what Thanksgiving may or may not look like. Um, and it does take some work on your part as the director and for the teachers to make sure that you communicate and talk to the parents. Like, if the parents don't want you to say anything until Thanksgiving Day, then you need to know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but if you have parents who've been talking about how well, we're not, you know, the only thing you're doing is whatever you're doing with your pot of friends, and that's all you've been doing things with since, you know, August, it, it's good to know because a Friendsgiving may be a very different Thanksgiving, and it may be a wonderful opportunity for you to get to know your neighbors. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Kate's husband has been in the military and in the National Guard for, I don't know, decades, eons, something like that. He is starting year 30. And he just got a huge promotion to Lieutenant Colonel. And October 5th is the day to celebrate Kate's husband, Steve, because October 5th is, no, October 6th, sorry, is Teacher's Assistant, uh, Physician's Assistant Day, which is what Steve is. Steve is a physician's assistant. The day before that is more relevant to everybody else, which is World Teacher's Day, which is October 5th. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so make sure that you, as the director, plan appropriately to recognize your teachers. I mean, if you really want to shoot an email to us and we'll pass it on to my husband, you're welcome to do that. I guess that's one way to know how many people actually listen to today's show. Um, So... Anyway, we are so glad that we had this opportunity to talk to you a little bit about process versus product art and about things to think about when you're planning your fall curriculum. We're excited. We have a similar episode coming up in uh, the 1st of December um, or the last week in November, uh, talking about all of the winter um, holidays, both the religious holidays, the gift giving holidays. And the same kinds of things. What are you teaching the kids? What are the kids getting out of that activity? So, uh, you know, don't forget to listen to us in between times. We always have some great topics. Um, But if you've enjoyed today's episode, episode, (laughs) Carrie, what do they need to do? You need to share it with your friends and you need to subscribe on whatever platform you use. I use iTunes, but whatever platform you use, subscribe and write a comment. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. 
Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.